Axis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, why Amazon didn't go green and a move to ban government employees from using TikTok. But first, the coronavirus economy. So we are taping this on Thursday morning. And as of this moment, there are 129 confirmed coronavirus cases in the U.S., including a new batch in California related to a cruise ship. Globally, the figure is over 9,500 infections and nearly 3,300 deaths. It is, in short, a worldwide crisis. Medical facilities in certain areas are already overwhelmed, and the U.S. hospital infrastructure simply doesn't have the bed space it would need were we to face anything like what Italy and Iran have faced. All sorts of businesses have curtailed travel, supply chains are under siege, and just yesterday, Microsoft told people in its headquarters they should work from home for the next few weeks. The Olympics are in doubt, and you even have to wonder how U.S. election officials would handle voter reticence to visit crowding polling places this November. Amidst all of it, though, there are the beginnings of what might be dubbed the coronavirus economy. Remote work software companies, for example, report rising usage. Shares of connected bike company Peloton briefly spiked this week on investor thinking that people will be scared away from gyms. And last week, Clorox was one of just seven S&P 500 companies to gain value. And the next piece of all of this could be technology, particularly robotics and drones that could help do everything from disinfect airplanes and hospital beds to deliver vaccines to remote areas. We'll dig deeper into those possibilities in 20 seconds with Axios's Joanne Muller. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem. Meet with our team at this year's Women's Private Equity Summit in Dana Point, California, March 11th through the 13th. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios' Joanne Muller. So Joanne, let's start, before we get specifically to coronavirus, how right now do hospitals and other medical facilities currently use, say, robots to kill pathogens that could cause other infections? Yeah, so there's actually a company called Zenex, which is using ultraviolet rays in a robot they can uh, wheel this thing into a room, like an operating room or uh, some other area where someone maybe had MRSA or another infection like that. And uh, they leave the room, the machine goes on, and uh, sort of the hat pops up, and it, it emits this ultraviolet light. And that kills most of the germs and bacteria that you would fear in the hospital. There's also a UV robot that does kind of the same thing on airplanes, right? They're trying to. There's a really interesting company out of L.A. that's been, you know, for five years has been trying to market this to airlines and uh, really wasn't getting a whole lot of traction until coronavirus popped up. Now he says he's getting quite a lot of incoming calls. It does basically the same thing. So basically nobody's on the plane. You wheel this thing in or you don't wheel it in. I guess it wheels itself in and it goes up and down the aisle and it disinfects the plane. Yeah, exactly. This company decided to offer its robots for free to all the planes coming into LAX from China. And they got about 12 planes done until the president, you know, nixed all travel from China. So that fell apart. But they still have a lot of people, airlines, at least asking them for meetings now to find out more. 
And in both of those cases, the machines still have to be tested to be sure they kill coronavirus. But we do know there's a robot called Vici, right, which is kind of like an iPad on wheels. And doctors have actually used that not to disinfect for corona or disinfect rooms for corona, but to actually interact with corona patients, or at least the first one, right? This is actually technology that's coming online in a lot of places where there just aren't enough doctors to see all the patients, right? So this hospital in Everett, Washington, was able to use this. It's sort of like a doctor on a stick, right? So it rolls into the room and the doctor's face is on the tablet and they can, uh, apparently they can have some, some ways to take the patient's temperature as well and, you know, do some basic stuff to kind of take their vitals. But mostly it's to try to assess the patient from a distance. Let me ask about the distance. You know, you said it was often for areas that don't have doctors, but it also sounds like, for example, a hospital in Everett, Washington, there are clearly doctors in the hospital. That's really to protect the medical professionals, right? Because we've seen both here in China and elsewhere that when you look at infections, medical professionals have been getting infected a lot with this and some have died. Right. And that's exactly what's going on. A lot of this started back with Ebola, you know, in 2014. This is when roboticists first started thinking about how can we, you know, protect our medical personnel and yet still provide the care that they need. And so they began to look at different kinds of robots, different ways that you could at least handle some of the chores that happen in a hospital, maybe not the personal care, but minimize the other number of people that are going in and out of a room or a tent in the case of Ebola in Africa. And speaking of Africa or, or say other remote areas, including inside the U.S., you know, there is this company called Zipline, which specific, mostly w- works in Africa, but their whole job, they use unmanned drones to make uh, deliveries of blood and medical supplies, for example, in Rwanda. Is there a sense right now that drones, whether Zipline or other companies, could get used to, for example, deliver vaccines if we get to a point where there is a vaccine for coronavirus? Yeah, I think that could definitely happen. One big problem, though, is that uh, right now the FAA doesn't allow drones to fly except within sight of, uh, of the operator. They don't let them fly over populated areas and stuff like that. So it just so happens that the FAA right now is in the midst of trying to rethink its regulations on drones and figure out how to deploy them safely. But you could imagine maybe that in a year or two, let's say, if these regulations are approved that would allow the drones to fly outside of the site of the operator, you could set up these little distribution centers, kind of like a Walmart or an Amazon distribution center, and you could fly virus uh, vaccines directly to the places where the hotspots are. And it's a lot easier than just spreading the vaccine everywhere, and some people don't need it, but you could get it to the places that do need it. Little distribution centers may be run by robots. Let me ask the obvious question here, though, which is that there's the kind of the fear. You know, you write that there's a you know temptation during humanitarian crises to you know rush new technology to the scene. We clearly hear people even on the medical side, and President Trump for sure almost seems to want to rush a vaccine to market, even though it needs you know at least a year to test and distribute. Can you talk a bit about that? Is the fear of kind of over technologizing? That's not a word, but we're going to pretend it is. You know, this crisis is that a real fear? Sure. I mean, I I think in general, there's a feeling, a can-do attitude that technology can solve it all. And so well-meaning companies who are, you know, call themselves humanitarians, they want to get their technology out as fast as possible and the robot to the rescue, right? But we shouldn't cut corners or bend the regulations to try to make that happen until we know we're not making the situation worse. Joanne Muller-Vaxios, thank you so much for joining us. Great. Bye, Dan. My final two right after this.
The Equity Fund Resource Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the conflict between wanting to fight climate change and wanting your packages delivered as soon as possible. Bloomberg's out with a new report about how the team behind Amazon Prime twice considered asking shoppers to consider the environment while checking out. Specifically, it would have created a quote, green shopping option, whereby the delivery time might have been slightly slower, but Amazon would have been able to pack the trucks more densely, thus reducing fuel use and vehicle emissions. But Amazon, which has publicly pledged to be net zero carbon by 2040, did not adopt the plan either time it was considered. In part, Bloomberg reports, because of fears that users would hesitate before clicking the buy now button. And finally, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley yesterday said that he'll soon introduce a bill to ban federal employees from using TikTok on government devices, saying it's necessary to protect national security and all of our data security. For Hawley, this is his latest effort to rein in big tech, despite his past financial backing from Facebook director Peter Thiel. But as Axios' Kyle Daly reports, the real story here isn't this specific bill. It's that tech companies, US and Chinese, are becoming proxies for policy fights between DC and Beijing. Not just TikTok in China, but also Huawei and drone maker DJI, while in the US, all sorts of chip makers. Ironically though, Daly also notes that it might be coronavirus, not regulations, that end up really teaching America the most about what it would mean to decouple from Chinese technology. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national cheese doodle day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.